OCN is the largest producer of events for mortgage professionals. We bring the action to you. See when we'll be in your area. Just visit us at www.originatorconnectnetwork.com. That's www.originatorconnectnetwork.com. They didn't have a lot of access to get into the profession. This is Gated Communities, where we talk about everything you're not supposed to talk about in the mortgage industry. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we'll finally be addressing all of the changes happening in the appraiser field and how it's going to help create a more diverse workforce in this industry. We have Jeff Hogan, the vice president of valuations for Veros Real Estate Solutions, the company which acquired Valigen, an appraisal management company. Veros and Valigen have created the Valigen Appraiser Training Program, VATP, to increase appraiser diversity and offer necessary resources to promote inclusion in the lending industry. It also addresses some of the problems with appraiser education and training requirements. Although there may be a shortage of appraisers, there's no shortage of appraiser trainees. We also delve into the issue of appraisal bias, where it stems from, and how modernization could counteract some of that. So without further ado, here is Mr. Hogan himself. Well, thank you, Jeff, for joining the podcast today. I'm so happy to have you on. Why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience a little bit and tell us why you're here? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. My name is Jeff Hogan, and I am a real estate appraiser. Um, been appraising for about over 30 years, actually now, close to 35 years. And I uh, currently work for a company called Barrels, which is a data and analytics company. I've been there for about four years, and I basically have been uh, trying to navigate through this profession for quite some time. I've actually been able to work for some major uh, banks and major organizations as you know, all the way up from a trainee to a staff appraiser to district manager to regional manager. Um, also have a designation with the uh, Appraisal Institute, uh, SRA, which is the residential designation. And um, yeah, so that's that's a little about my uh, about who I am right now. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, kind of discussing some of these uh, hot topics. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. And just to clarify for the audience, because they may not be able to see you on the podcast that you are a black man. So you may not see many people like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to let the, the audience know who's on here, um, you know, and you must not see a lot of people like yourself, obviously, in the industry. We have the stats here that, you know, an overwhelming majority are white and male and older. So yeah. let's talk about that a little bit about the the demographic and, and what we're seeing here. So, I mean, a lot of this is a, a frequently reoccurring topic is that it's, it's older white male. Why do you think the appraiser profession is that way? Well, you know, I, I would say, you know, the way I got started, I kind of gives it as a way of background. When I started appraising, um, I was actually out of college and my father, who was uh, had a property that he was getting appraised for a loan, asked the person. Uh, this was actually in Los Angeles, South Central Los Angeles, where I was where I was raised and born and raised. Uh, had a property there. And the appraiser who I think was black, I don't think I ever met him personally, but he. 
Uh, my dad said, I need my son needs a job and you're you know, this seems like something he might be interested in. How does he get started? And sure enough, I did need a job. And he referred me to someone at a savings and loan. And that savings and loan at that time, this is pre-licensing. So there was no licensing requirement. You just had to learn how to do it. And so uh, I was referred to to a bank. Uh, I'm sorry, savings and loan in Southern California area where they had a training program. And back then you could get into a training program because most appraisers at that time worked for banks or lending institutions. So that's how you got in. That changed uh, 20, 15, 20 years ago with uh, Dodd-Frank and appraiser independence and some of those things. So a lot of lenders uh, stopped uh, hiring uh, appraisers directly because they wanted to have that you know separation between the lender and the appraiser. That was good and bad. I mean, it did uh, eliminate the appearance of inf undue influence. However, it made the profession be pretty much everybody who's either going solo or working with what they call AMCs, which are appraisal management companies. So because, uh, and even before that, there wasn't a lot of uh, Black people or people of color in the profession. But I think at that point, it kind of uh, solidified that because the only way somebody would even one, find out about it or get a job is if they knew someone. So if I'm uh, a, a black man, uh, if I'm a, a white male and I'm, you know, training, I'm looking for somebody that I want to train, I'm probably going to train somebody either in my family. And most people come in through a family member or a friend. And most of us, including, you know, black people tend to over overwhelmingly associate with people that are like them, that either look like them, have the same kind of the same views on the same uh, religion, kind of the same, you know, political views and all those things. I mean, it's 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 just common that we gravitate, you know, animals to that gravitate toward people that are like them. So I don't think that necessarily is wrong. But when it came to this profession, what happened is that kind of closed the door for people that were minorities. They didn't have a lot of access to get into the profession because the profession, as you know, requires you to work with someone directly before you can even take the exam to become a licensed appraiser. It's not yeah. like you can get an appraiser and then say, I'm going to work with someone. No, you can't even sit for the exam and take the exam unless you have anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred hours of actual training. And that used to take place in a lending institution or some company that would hire appraisers, even some mortgage companies, some of them would hire appraisers and they would pay, take them through a training program and pay for that training and, and give them a supervisor to work with. But that changed. And now it's, you know, I, even if I worked for Bank for America for a number of years and we even had a training program where we brought in people um, out of college or even sometime from other professions that they were in related realtors or sometime or a loan officer. And we would train them under Bank of America's banner and then they would become, you know, licensed appraisers. So those programs kind of went away with some of the laws that required appraisers and, and lenders to not um, kind of work together in, in, in from the standpoint of valuation. So that's where we are. I think that's that was along with what was already a profession that did not have a lot of minorities. I think whatever minorities are in there, a lot of them came through at that time. And and it's been even harder for minorities to get into the profession because of that.
Absolutely. And along with all these, you know, so, so, so many requirements in order to become certified as an appraiser, there's also a lack of exposure, as you said, to the profession. If you know somebody, then yes, you're likely to go on that path, but most people don't. Um, So, and and you were lucky enough to know somebody. I want to know what your experience was like first stepping into this. What did you like about being an appraiser? What were some of the perks for you? Yeah. So what I liked uh, most and I still like is I, I'm I'm kind of a nosy person. So I like to be able to go in people's houses and <laughs> around. I would just in, inquire and uh, have an inquiring mind. But but I would say the, the thing that made it great for me is it was a profession where one, you kind of set your own schedule to some degree. Right. You have to work with obviously the person, the borrower, homeowner. But you can set a schedule. You're out of the office. You're not sitting behind a desk 24 hours a day or you know eight hours a day. You're you, you actually are getting out in into communities and and, you know, talking to people and, and meeting homeowners and 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 realtors and all that. And then you do have that aspect where you get to come in and actually do some analysis and do some uh, research and and do some reconciliation of data. And I, I like the combination of that. And it just seemed to fit me well. Um, I wasn't one that literally liked to just sit behind a desk all day, but I'm also not somebody who wants to be in the field all day as well. So it was that along with the flexibility of the of the uh, how you set appointments and all that that really made it attractive. So it it did require it does require sometimes some long hours. Um, I had. You know, I just got married, had a couple of small kids at the time. And so it was able to I was able to, you know, work my schedule around that, whether it's taking the school or sports events and things of that nature. So it had some things that made it kind of unique. Um, and a lot of times as as the as I progress and as progression, as the profession progress, a lot of people start working from home as well. So that also gave you a little even more flexibility to um, work around a schedule and still make a decent living. You know, you're not going to get rich, for, you know. Right. Being appraising, okay, it's not that kind of profession, but I think it offers other things um, that are just as valuable, which is you know quality time. Even though appraisers work long hours, a lot of them, but you do you can kind of manage those hours, whether it means you work sometime late at night or early in the morning, but you you have that flexibility sometime in the daytime to to do other things. Absolutely. And what you said there about the work-life balance, I think that's what a lot of people in the younger generations are looking for right now. Not a lot of them want to be in the office 24-7. But then again, as you said, don't want to be in the field 24-7 and like that flexibility. So, I mean, you know, if we forget about the all these educational requirements for a second, this could be, you know, an amazing career opportunity for a lot of people, you know, who are millennials and Gen Zers and are looking for that type of balance. Um, And we'll get into that with all the the obstacles of the the education. And then, of course, the payoff that you get at the end of that. Um, Is it worth that? Um, Let's delve in a little bit into the problems that we've been seeing or that and that have gotten more exposure over the past few years. I think I started seeing these um, articles come out about whitewashing about three years ago is when I really started to notice it. Um, And, you know, it's been an ongoing issue, obviously, uh, perpetuates redlining, the legacy of segregation. It stunts growth of generational wealth, Um, you know. Why don't you tell me from your perspective why these problems arise? Do you think it's kind of a lot of traditional thinking in this field or is it a systemic issue? I want to get your perspective on that. Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I have been, you know, having to have a lot of discussions about that topic. And 
Um, it's a combination of things, in my opinion. And I, I, I have to say, as an appraiser, some of these stories, when I first heard about them, were pretty alarming to me as an appraiser. And I kind of took it personally because I don't um, view myself, obviously, as, as, as being biased or racist toward any type of uh, person or demographic, no matter who the owner or buyer is. And I, and I would say on behalf of most of my appraisal brethren, I would say that's true for most of them as well. I don't think appraisers go in with the idea that they are going to deliberately or consciously discriminate against anybody because of their race of who lives in the home. The, the concept of what an appraisal is supposed to be and what it is to, to an appraiser is Let's just take the subject property that I'm appraising and compare that to sales, comparable sales in that neighborhood and see uh, what would be like a substitution for that property. And what would that property sell for based on the features and the characteristics and the location and all those things. So that is really how um, the uh, an appraiser normally would see a a, a market or would, or would do, or do an do a evaluation. It's not really based on those things. However, mm-hmm. That said, I believe there are certain uh, maybe more unconscious biases that can come out um, based on uh, how that appraiser views that particular community or that particular uh, group, uh, minority group, based on their experiences. And a lot of them don't have a lot of experiences working, like I said, or most of us in general, I'm going to just say it's not just them. Most of us don't have uh, a lot of experience working around or being around people that aren't like us, if we if we really honest about it. There are some, obviously, and that's changing clearly. But traditionally, like I said before, if I'm around people that think the same way I do, um, see the see the world the same way I do and have certain uh, opinions about certain groups based on whether it's media, social media, print media, news media, whatever. And you don't have any personal relationship with people of different groups. You do form opinions. You know, I, I, I grew up, for example, growing up in Los Angeles. Uh, most of my life, my formative years, I was mostly around black people. Okay. I was very few black, white people in my community. I grew up in Los Angeles. Then we moved to area of, 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 of Los Angeles County called Carson, California, which was, you know, mostly still uh, um, a black community. And then it wasn't until I was in high school that I've actually moved, uh, maybe thinking and screaming, I might add, to an all white community. My parents moved us to Orange County, California, which is predominantly white. And so um, I didn't want to go because I wasn't comfortable and I had certain impressions of white people and they weren't good, you know, based on what I had seen and how they treated black people and so forth. So that experience, though, really helped me to realize that you can't paint people with a broad brush. Right. So I made a lot of good friends from high school on that are that are white. And and, in, and even as an appraiser, uh, I would say most of the people, because the profession is mostly uh, uh, a white and, and male, those people were my mentors. And I they they helped me. They trained me. I wouldn't be where I am today without their their help and their assistance. They was, it was teachers I had in, in school um, that were helpful to helpful to me. So, you know, I had to change my thinking. And I think that's kind of where we are right now as a society, as a culture is let's not just have one view of one group and, and pay people the broad brush. And that applies to appraisers as well. You know, we can't put appraisers as, as a, as a broad brush either. I think for the most part, appraisers 
don't really like being the center of attention. I mean, they like it's a kind of a job where you generally kind of stay in the background. I'm kind of unique. I'm a real talker. but Most appraisers are not. And I've worked with them. I've trained them. I uh, manage them and they they tend to just want to do their job. But um, but back to the issues that we see now, um, I would say that in the perception of that and I and I can't I, I really can't totally speak to all the details of some of these cases because I haven't looked at all the appraiser appraisals or, you know, evaluated which comp should have been used, which comparable should have been used and, you know, which one, uh, which appraisal was was better. And and I, I think in most of these cases, that from the information I do see that there's in these in these whitewashing cases, um, there's probably some problems with maybe a little bit of both of those appraisals, the one that's really high and the one that was really, really low. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that comes sometime with training and education and understanding. So when I go, when I started appraising and I would go to Los Angeles and do an appraisal, I was very comfortable. I didn't have any problem. I had family there. I would stop by and visit a family member or go to a restaurant I used to go to. And, and I was very comfortable, but I can understand if somebody who's not from that area would not have that same comfort level and not knowing. And, 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 and that said, I had to be very comfortable, careful, careful too. I, there were certain areas I didn't want to go to and at certain times of the day, you had to just be careful and kind of know your way around and, um, and avoid, you know, problems. And, and so um, I think that's also where uh, some more education and knowledge. And I've been in offices where I've heard people say, Oh, you got to go to that area. Oh my God, that's a, you know, horrible area and so forth. And I'm like, well, I don't think it's all that bad. So I kind of have to kind of give a different impression of that from my perspective. And um, so having that kind of, I won't say dual citizenship, but seeing things from both sides and also being an appraiser, I think gives me kind of a little bit of a different perspective. And I, I think there's still room for growth and education for uh for for appraisers and, and as in every profession it's this isn't unique to appraising i think most professions have some level of uh feeling like you know i only know how to do things a certain way based on my experiences and until they're taught or trained to look at things in more than one way then that's the only way to make some changes in that absolutely i agree with that as well it's it really comes from unfamiliarity i think and like you said, a lack of comfortability with the area, which leads you to make assumptions that could be, you know, bias and not necessarily true. So you brought up education a little bit. Let's really dive into this. So appraiser education and training requirements are very lengthy and appraisers have told me very tedious as well. Um, And, but with on all, I mean, you need a four year college degree. You need so many hours you know, even just before um, 75 hours in order to submit a trainee appraiser application and then to be licensed, you need more hours to be certified, even more hours to be certified general appraiser, 3000 hours. Like it's crazy. It's it's insane. But none of this educational require um, requirements, I think, um, necessitate um, any kind of ethical training as far as I know. Um I want to get your perspective on what is required of appraisers so far. Do you think that all of that is necessary? Do you propose any changes, any suggestions of what should be made? I want to hear that from you. Sure. Yeah. So um, like I said, I started appraising in 1988, 89, but then you could be only 12 years old. So that's why I look like this. I was only 12. No, uh, you could, you, 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 you did not need a degree. You did not need a, any education and you did not need a license. So 
I am for education. Okay. So when I say what I'm about to say, I'm not coming from somebody who doesn't believe in education. I have a bachelor's degree, an MBA. I studied economics at Cambridge University in England, and I I have designations. I've had experience. So I believe in education. I believe education is important. However, you do not need a degree a bachelor's or a master's degree to be an appraiser, in my opinion. You need to have certain types of, um, you do need to have a certain aptitude for it to be able to make decisions rather quickly, to be able to distinguish one thing from another. Some of it is kind of basic, some of it is a little more complicated. And now there's tools available that weren't available when I was out there uh, to help with analytics and data, but you need to be able to analyze that. And that just is a training, that's something that's learned behavior. Um, in doing the job. It's not something you really can uh, determine whether or not somebody's going to be successful as an appraiser based on their education, because I've trained appraisers that came in with bachelor's degrees and were horrible appraisers. And I've had appraisers with no degree that were amazing, really good appraisers. It's just, it's just that skill set. So I would like to see more of it be based on more an aptitude, maybe some aptitude training or aptitude test to see if this is something that they can grasp these concepts. Um, but once they grasp the concepts, then you can be successful without formal education because appraising is a unique skill. It's It does relate to other things, but having a degree in art or having a degree in communication, yeah, communication maybe because you have to do some writing, but in general, they're educa- you, it doesn't require you to have an, a, a degree in business, for example, you just have any degree. So I think that is also a barrier that, and, and I don't think there's been any studies to show that when we when I started back in the 80s and you know late 80s, that those appraisers, in fact, I would say a lot of those appraisers are better than the ones that have come along lately with licensing because licensing had re- only required you to take certain classes, which is, which you may not grasp the concept. You just could be good at taking tests. And there are people, as you know, that are good at taking tests and some are bad at taking tests. It doesn't mean one's smarter than the other one necessarily. Some are good test takers and some, because you do have to go take a formal test and it's a, you know, it's, it's proctored and some people just don't do well in that situation. And I, and I understand that. And I think there needs to be some, uh, a whole nother uh, topic about how we educate people and how people learn differently, but it doesn't mean they're not, not smart because they don't know how to learn in traditional ways, but that's a whole nother topic. But yeah. I, I think, I think we just need to um, look at this from the standpoint of does somebody have uh, the skill, the work ethic, the, um, the the determination, the desire you can uh, I, I can take almost anyone with those feet, with those qualities. And, and pretty much most of the time they can become a pretty successful appraiser without formal education. Again, not saying education is not important because along the way. I think you do need to learn more about what you're doing. You need to learn more about how to uh, appraise a property, how to look at data. You know, those are things you need to learn. You need to learn whether it's a formal classroom situation or just on the job. But somebody um, needs to show them and they need to learn that. And that and that does require a mentor to do that. Mm-hmm. And you, if you look at the rest of the professions within the mortgage industry, college right. is not necessary. Absolutely. And these people come on to become business owners and, you know, very successful realtors or, or whatever, just with a few officers. Yeah. yeah, no, just a few exams. And, and that's really it. And, you know, it's it's 
maybe part of the reason that we're seeing a lack of diversity and we're seeing a lack of young people in general entering is, is access to this type of education and the type of time that this requires. And well, if I'm holding another job, am I going to get these hours done and all of that? So, I mean, incredibly hard. I want to get your perspective comparing this to the real estate, becoming a real estate agent with 40 hours of education, passing pre-licensing and the salesperson exam. And then you're kind of pretty much good to go. Um, And also the fact that, you know, I think being a real estate agent has a little more glamour to it. Uh, I haven't seen a reality show about appraisers, but plenty about real estate agents. (laughs) And maybe that's helping um, young people go more towards that route than the appraiser. Oh, yeah. You know, well, that was my that was my actually is funny because that was my plan. So the only reason I became an appraiser was because when I started, they gave a salary. So when I was going to I wanted to be a, a a real estate mogul. Actually, when I was coming out of college, I was a finance major. So I'm thinking I'm going to make, you know, millions of dollars as a real estate investor or something. But um, the jobs that I interviewed for on both the lending side and the sales side were basically commission jobs, you know, and I needed a job that paid a salary. Right. And I need, you know, I was coming out of college and, you know, so I wanted us, I wanted kind of the stability of that, but I obviously sacrificed the upside of someone who's going into sales and, and, and that. So I think it's a different um, type of person, a uh, different type of, um, personality that that wants to be out there, wants to see their name on billboards and wants to see their name in movie, you know, in TV reality shows and all that. That's not appraisers most of the time. You're not going to see a lot of real estate appraiser billboards or real estate appraiser reality shows because they'd be boring as heck. So nobody would watch them. So uh, it's 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 part of why I believe, you know, the appraiser profession and, and being an appraiser, it it is generally someone who is kind of behind the scenes, you know, they're not somebody that's going to be out there like that. And um, so that's why, yeah, you, you brought up some good points. So I, I, that was my intention was to do appraising until I made enough money to go out and make a lot of money doing other things. And that was 35 years ago. So I'm still doing appraising because, uh, and I've dabbled in other things actually over the years, but I kind of keeps pulling me back to appraising. And I think that's just my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. What would you say if you were going to, you know, kind of pitch this job to a bunch of young folks? What would you say, you know, other, you brought up the work life balance, but what would you say to kind of glamorize this um, field? You know, is it do you think they'd be attracted to the fact that it's a changing field? More technologies coming into it. How would you? Um, pitch yeah, it? that's I, I would agree. Yeah, I would think that's one of it is that one of the one of the things that we're seeing now that we did not have before is more use of technology technology and tools that are they've been available. But when I started, you know, we were like hammer and chisel, put the praise on a piece of paper on a, on a stone and stone and crack it out there. But no, we 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 have so many things now that make it more uh, make you more efficient, uh, make you more productive and make the the actual appraisal product better and with more reliable, um, objective information. So I think it does have an, a, a, that appeal, but again, it's, it, it's, it, <laughs> if I were, I would say the only way to know really is for, I would say take a class to see if it's really for you. Cause it, it's different. It's not like sales. It's not like 
mortgage loans. It, it, it's different and um, it's unique in that sense. So I think there are classes that are open to anyone to take. I think you should take at least an introductory class in appraisal principles. Um, I'm with the Appraisal Institute. That's the company. I, I mean, that's the organization I'm affiliated with. And I, they're the largest uh, real estate appraisal organization out there. But there's others um, that you can take a class and see if it's for you. Unfortunately, it's not something you can take a, a class in college to see. Right. There's other classes you can say, hey, let me try this out in my elective. Right. One of my electives is real estate appraising. It's not that way. Um, unfortunately, they're, they're you know, we're trying to get that in some of the schools and in colleges to make it so that somebody can at least find out if it's, if it's for them. So um, it's hard to pitch it because it's, it, you really have to really kind of want to do it. And, and, but it does have some benefits. And I think the biggest one that I would say is, is the flexibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And recently we have um, Fannie Mae um, coming out with this kind of new guidelines for a, appraisal modern in an effort to you know modernize the appraisal industry. It has caused a little I just want to touch on this, that it did cause a little bit concern um, among the appraiser community, thinking that, you know, they're going to be replaced by third parties that can come in. And I mean, I, I don't really blame them. You went through so much education and training. Why is somebody else allowed to do this? Why is it? real estate agent who took a 40 hour class allowed to do this. So I want to get your perspective on that. Do you think that might be an overreaction or some truth to that? Um, I believe there is some truth to it. And uh, my my opinion of that, because as I said, I work for Vero. So we do a lot of data and analytics. And I think the appraisal um Perfect. The 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 what appraisers do is really a a risk assessment of uh, you know part of the risk assessment that goes into a loan right. There's the credit and then there's the collateral which is the the property and I think that the uh, lender has to make that decision of how risky is this particular loan and sometimes for example if the property is uh, if they know the value of the property somewhere between, let's say, five hundred and six hundred thousand dollars and the person doesn't owe any money and they're getting a loan for one hundred thousand. That's a low risk loan. So do you need a full appraisal for that? Probably not. You know, in that situation, this is me as an appraiser. I, I understand that that I would want to do that. And there was a time when you did because there was no way to know that. But now there are uh, other tools that help manage that risk. And I think that is something that appraisers need to be aware of. And, and this is why I say it's important, because I think as an appraiser, when I started, um, you pretty much did an appraisal for every type of valuation, every every type of mortgage loan required an appraisal to be attached to it. That's no longer the case because of, like I said, mainly the risks and the tools that are available to do like automated valuations now that were not around when I started. And, and those tools are available to help a lender make a decision about a property even if they're even if that valuation is off by say 20%, you know, whatever their tolerance level is, they can still feel pretty comfortable um, with that loan. And as a homeowner, I prefer not to have an appraisal if I can get, if I can get the loan without having it. Yep. So I think from that perspective, I, I I can relate to either the homeowner and the lender. Um, so I think what what needs to happen for for us as appraisers is to think about how we can add value to this process, to the lending process. And it, and to me, it starts with uh, specialized uh, uh, training, 
skills. There are there are properties that you can't use an automated value. Okay, they just don't work. They're complicated. They're more complex. They're more uh, there's more issues maybe with that property that doesn't make that it doesn't qualify. And I think that's always going to be the case where you're going to need appraisers for those. But some of the ones that I started off doing where you had you know, three sales and they were all in the same, same street and they just sold their model matches, you know, and they all sold for 500,000 and ours is selling for 500,000. Pretty, pretty confident that value somewhere in that price range, right? There could be exceptions. There could be, you know, property being back condition or whatever, or maybe that's why you get somebody to go out and at least take a look at it. So there's, there's these, what we call the risk continuum, right? That starts from a waiver, which is just like, we, we already have the loan on the books. The person wants to, the person's making their payments. Now the rates have dropped. Now they want to refinance that same loan that we already have for less money, which means they're going to more likely even make the payment because now their payment's lower. Do we need a full appraisal on that? Probably not. And then you got all the way, all the way different levels, whether it's a, 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 a inspection. Um, I do agree with you. I believe those inspections should be appraisers or they could be trainees. That's a perfect opportunity for a trainee to do that, right? Instead of having a realtor or even a non-realtor, there's cases out there where the person wasn't even a realtor. They just were a inspector. And so I'm I'm a little leery of this. I don't think it's going to, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to take off and replace appraisers because there are skills that appraisers bring to the table that these data collectors and realtors don't have. Um, and I, and I, I see that being something that's going to um, kind of it's going to it's going to be an option, but I don't know how much of that is going to be practical, especially if the market starts to turn. Now, right now, the other thing is the market's been good. So as far as property values, property values have been going up. There's a shortage of homes. So there's all these factors that, and, and up until two years ago, there was a shortage of appraisals because rates were 3%, 4%, and they couldn't keep appraisers. So that's kind of led to some of these 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 measures. And then COVID happened as well. So now that the market values and the interest rates have risen, um, to the point that there's so many appraisers out there that aren't working, that were super busy two years ago, that are really kind of twiddling their thumbs now, um, has, has made appraisers antsy. And I, and I don't blame them. And, and I think there's, they, in my opinion, those appraisers should be allowed to do that. And trainees, at least trainees, because here's the thing. The unfortunate thing about, I mentioned AMCs, appraisal management companies and lenders. Well, lenders... And appraisal management companies, and I would say to some degree, probably investors, you know, uh, um, capital uh, markets, investors, they want a certified appraiser to do it. And that's not necessarily necessary for every appraisal, but because of, and they don't even want to train you to even be involved, even though a lot of the lenders like Freddie and Fannie, the GSEs and, and, and FHA and VA, they allow a trainee. But the lenders won't. Lenders say, I want to certify. They don't, even want to, they don't even want a licensed appraiser, right? They want to, so that, you know, that, that's kind of made it very, very difficult for someone to break in because they can't get work. That work that they do, if I'm a certified appraiser, I'm not going to bring on, I'm not motivated to bring on a trainee. Right. If, if I have to still go out and do all the work myself, I've got to love this person around with me. That's just going to slow me down. And I got to pay them part of the money that I'm getting. So the incentive to do training from that perspective has has really hurt uh, bringing new people in, which is why there's more people leaving the profession and coming in, because as the as the profession goes, gets older, 
there's no new blood coming in and there's and particularly no diverse ones, but the ones that are coming in family and friends and, you know, neighbors, whatever, those are smaller than the people that are going out. So they're, so I think the, the, the GSEs with this Freddie and Fannie, they're thinking about it from the standpoint of we may have enough appraisers next time. And we don't want to be in the same position we were in two years ago where we had these really long hold times for, you know, wait times to get appraisals. Fees were astronomically high. So that kind of, it, it was it was for appraisers. It was a boom and it was kind of good, but it was bad in a way because it led to them thinking, well, we got to come up with another way to do this because lenders and everybody's like, this is taking too long. So they start looking at alternatives. And I think at this point, like I said, we have to as appraisers have to make figure out ways to make ourselves more relevant um, and make ourselves more uh, useful in properties primarily that don't qualify for these real uh, cookie cutter type properties where you can get a, a value, an automated valuation and you can get an inspection and say, OK, we're good. So that that's not it. So so so, yes, it's affecting certain appraisers and certain um, right now it's affecting everybody because the rates are really high. But as rates come down, I think you're going to see kind of a, a, a division between those appraisers that have kind of chosen to go uh, outside of traditional lending or traditional appraising and maybe look at other ways to uh, to do to do what they do that aren't as subject to these types of uh, ups and downs. Absolutely. And let's talk about Valigent Appraiser Training Program, which is meant to address some of the issues that you've brought up. It is going to increase appraiser diversity and offer necessary resources to promote inclusion in the lending industry. So I'll let you tell us all about it. I'm very excited to hear this. And I, I think it's so great that you guys took on this initiative this initiative without being, you know, it being enforced by like a regulatory agency, you know, you guys went about this yourselves. So tell us about it. Well, um, first I gotta say, you know, so Barrels is, um, like I said, a technology data analytics company, and we acquired uh, an AMC, uh, Valigen. Valigen is actually an AMC, but they are unique in the sense that they tend to be kind of working more on the technology side. And they're called, I think, I think called Valigen Technologies, the official name, but but they've always been working with these agencies to try to use technology to provide either faster service or better quality service and and give uh, you know lower price services to help uh, with the idea that you know the traditional way of doing appraising is a little outdated and in some ways some respects and there's tools out there to kind of help that along so so they came up with this idea a couple of years ago. And, you know, as we saw certain things starting to come up on the news and, and I will say as far as the redlining and that kind of thing and the whitewashing, you know, as African-American living in, in black communities, it's a real thing. And, and I say it's a real thing from the standpoint of that's what they believe is the case. So I have uh, family members who are realtors and they always tell their family members to take the pictures down and and do that, which is sad because I'm like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And then they send me articles and I say, well, OK, go ahead. So that is a reality to those to that to that group. My you know, people in, in minority communities like mine, they they think that's a real thing. And, and it's kind of proven itself out with some of these stories, which, you know, again, not knowing the details. I don't know if that's related to the whitewashing or related to an incompetent appraiser. I don't know. So we have to kind of dig into that a little bit more. But. But back to the program. So this program is really um, set up to allow a person who is interested in appraising and hopefully has taken a couple classes, like I said, because 
it may it's not for everybody, you know. And there were times when I was doubting whether or not I wanted to stay in appraising. It wasn't like it was like, oh, I love this right away. It, it took a little time to figure certain things out. And but you know, I had people like I said that believed in me, stuck with me, helped me along the way, and you know, I was able to kind of push through some of those things. So, um, the so the program is set up to allow someone to uh, who who has at least started taking some classes to come in as a, as an employee. Right now, we're looking at full-time employees. We may even offer a part-time option at some point, but we're looking at full-time employment to somebody who's shown some um, clear uh, determination. And, and there's tons of them out there. I, I, I was at a conference or at a workshop with the Appraisal Diversity Initiative, which is sponsored by Freddie and Freddie Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and the Urban League, which is which is workshops across the country to reach out to diverse candidates. They go to schools, they they put information out to draw diverse candidates to awareness about the profession. And I was at one in Sacramento a couple months ago, and I was surprised at how many candidates, mostly diverse, said, Jeff, I've been trying to get a sponsor for months. You know, six, three months, six months. I've sent out letters. I've sent out emails. I've sent out and nobody responds, you know, because there's just no incentive a lot of times for, like I said, for a supervisor, because what are they going to do with that person? They can't sign the work. They have to train them. They can't they can't send them out. What we know what was nice back in the day is you could have your trainee and do a lot of your field work for you. You know, you train them. Right. You get them trained to do the field work. And then once they do the field work, then that's that's. That's less work you have to do. You now they could do some of the back end office work as well. So that's how somebody would would learn. And because a lot of the lenders and a lot of the people that investors don't didn't want trainees involved on these because they felt they weren't as qualified, that led to this big gap. So so we saw that as a big problem, and and it's still a problem. And I think the appraisers that have gotten fully educated, a lot of them on their own dime. And have paid for these hours, taken these classes, past classes, which are not easy, past the classes. And, and now they're ready to take the last step, which they can't control, which is getting their hours, experience hours. So um, so we saw that as a need. And so what we're doing with our program is we're we're looking. There are already candidates out there. There's no shortage of trainee candidates, which is a good thing. There's there's so many that are qualified and ready to go that have taken the classes that are that 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 are sharp and and, and want to do this even not say are you sure you want to do this but they do for whatever reason and a lot of it is because of the flexibility but but they 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 they're looking for supervisors so what we do what we have is we have um we have some supervisors already that work with us at voucher are full-time employees as well and those um employees uh would be we'd be hiring the trainee with a salary with a full-time salary so that you know they could be a full-time employer employed with us and we would be training them with a lot of the latest tools and data and kind of holding their hand like it was when i started you know we had people that would actually take you under their wing and um, and we're looking for uh, uh, people who have a desire, who are hungry, who are really determined and and are sharp and, and, you know, of all races, not limited to just, you know, minorities. But we're looking for, you know, obviously younger people because we need people to keep this going after we're gone and and to attract people to it uh, from that perspective. And so how it works is we go out and we talk to lenders and we say, Mr. and Mrs. Lender. 
you know, we you recognize this is a problem in our profet in the in the lending industry, not just appraisal. It's lenders as well. Lenders, realtors are all kind of getting under the under scrutiny about how they do what they do and how they do it. Um, so this is a way for them to partner with us and sponsor a trainee without having to pay money because a lot of lenders right now are hurting as well. They don't have a ton of money to put, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or whatever to bring on somebody and, and train them. So we're saying of the orders that you already are signing, earmarking a small percentage of those. It could be 20, it could be 30 per month where it's just, you know, in a market where you have volume to, to, to you know, to give. And you can take some of that volume. And from that volume, we will then use that to to sponsor, to bring on a, a trainee that they could sponsor just from work volume, not coming out of pocket. And so that's that's what we're talking about right now. And that's starting to resonate with, with lenders as they look at this and say, you know what, if we can help uh, uh, diversify the appraisal profession and bring in new people in the appraisal profession because they understand. They remember what it was like two years ago. It wasn't. It wasn't just the minority thing. It was just there was just not enough appraisers, right. and that's still an issue as far as the amount coming in and going out. But right now, obviously, it's it's slow. So I get the the hesitation even from a lender to say, "Well, I'm not sure I can commit to this." So we're trying to be flexible with that number to see what they're, you know, what they can do. And we'll try to, like I said, we may look at part-time employees um, who can maybe have a full-time job and maybe do this part-time, at least while it's slow until the things pick up. But we also would be hiring a supervisor um, to work as an employee. And that supervisor, unlike if I'm a independent appraiser and I want to bring on a trainee, I can't bring on that training without having to deal with a whole bunch of red tape, right? Are they, are they a contractor? Or are they an employee? Am I going to have to do their taxes? Am I going to have to do their unemployment? Am I going to have to do, you know, give them vacation time? And it's a lot of red tape, which, which as an appraiser, I don't know if I'd want to take that headache on, even though I'm all for diversity, it's just kind of a, a you know, a responsibility that I may not want. So what we're doing is taking that and saying, you don't have to be responsible for any of that. You would come on as a supervisor and you would, all your responsibility would be, would just be to train that trainee. You would give you the tools to train because you got to have the right person to do training. Not every appraiser is going to train. Like I said, them don't have the, 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 the kind of, the kind of personality I'd say and the people skills, but we're looking for people to have those people skills and also have a heart for it. Say, Hey, I, I see this as an issue. I want to help. I just don't know how. And, you know, you could do it out of the goodness of your heart, but, you know, you got to kind of be compensated. So so we're paying the trainee. We're paying the trainer. They're not neither one's making a ton of money, but they are getting um, they're getting compensated for their time as a trainer and they're getting their compensation as a trainee. And ultimately, the goal is to have that person licensed and trained and then they can do their own work. Either they work, continue to work with with Valigent or they start their own company or they work. And that was the other thing, too, I got that made me think of another point. A lot of supervisor trainers would say, I don't want to train my competition. That was one of the statements that you hear a lot. If I train this person, they're going to go across the street, open up their own fee shop and put me out of business or something like that or undercut me or whatever. So we kind of take that out of the mix because if they're a part-time supervisor, they still have and maintain their own practice. And the work that they're getting for this trainee is not coming from their client's base. It's coming from a separate client base that we, Valigent, has set up the contract and the agreement with this lender 
Um, so that's not work that's coming out of their current, you know, pool of, of clients. So so that takes that out of it. Um, it takes it makes a supervisor more kind of almost a consulting role where they're just working with this person and helping them and training them without the fear of them, you know, taking their business or the fear of having to be uh, an employee and, and having to deal with all those kinds of things that, that are super most Appraisers don't want to have to deal with. So that's that's the gist of it. Um, it's it's been a, it's kind of a pilot program right now. We have a lot of interest from from various lenders and it is a, it's a process to go through this, to get them on board. There's a contract. There's 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 expectations and minimums that we were that we're looking for um, to support this this trainee. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that we're something that we think um, has some some potential. Now, it's still. It's going to move the needle a little bit, but it still need to we need other people doing other things, too. You know, I think we 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 see this as, hey, let's not be the only ones doing this. Maybe there's other AMCs or other lenders or other programs. I know others are working on other programs as well. So hopefully it gets them thinking about, well, how can we participate in this or how can we add appraisers to our to our role of, of appraisers? How do we add diverse appraisers? Um, and and diverse lenders and diverse realtors and and all that. So so we're reaching out to these communities and and we're reaching out to 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 people of color and saying, hey, you know, this is something we're we're involved in. If you know someone that's has the same mindset or is interested in doing this, let us know. And and so since we launched it the last, I'd say about a month ago. We've got, I don't know the numbers, it's probably close to 30, 25, 30 trainees that have signed up for more interest. We've have some, we have probably five or six, if not more, supervisor tr- trainers that are interested in. And, and we're, we're basically building a database because what's going to happen is the learners are going to say, well, do you have anybody in my area? Do you have any trainees in my area? Do you have any trainers in my area? And and we're saying, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're adding to those, not to mention there's several that are part of the I mentioned the appraisal diversity initiative, ADI. There's probably I heard somewhere close to 100 or 200 of them that are already out there. So there's there's no shortage of trainees and that are already when I say trainees, people that have already done that the, right. the work, um, out there. And then there's Perea. So I want to mention that because that is also something that is going to be released sometime in the I think in the fall where appraiser trainees can have an option where they can take classes online and kind of a um, kind of simulation, you know, kind of met way where they would which which would qualify. I know in the state of California where I am, those hours will qualify so the person could at least finish up their experience that way and, and sit for the exam and take the exam and become you know, a licensed appraiser. So, so we're, we're part of, we, we, we support that as well because once they get that license, they still need a job. So ultimately we're trying to help appraisers, not just get the hours, but also get experience and also get work and, 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 and make this something that they can do, you know, long-term. I think, yeah, I, that's amazing. And I think the issues that you're addressing here with, you know, you're saying there's no shortage of appraiser trainees, you know, yeah. it's it's getting the sponsorship and, and, and those working hours. And I feel like that absolutely needs to be addressed, perhaps even more important than the technology that they're rolling out, because these are people who have done so much already to get into this profession, yeah. actually like this profession and, you know, would like to pursue it and, and have passion for it. And, yeah. you know, they're stuck. They're absolutely stuck with 
with, you know, without anybody to help them because of how this is all set up. And I think that's great that you guys are easing the process and making this easier for supervisors and for trainees. Um, I think that's absolutely needed. In terms of um, dealing with, you know, appraisal bias and those sort of things, do you think that technology is the solution for that? Or is it more so a, a more diverse field of, of appraisers? Yeah, I think it's a combination. And I think one of the things we're doing right now, we have a uh, one of our major clients we're working with, we're actually running uh, things like biased word searches and seeing what kind of how often appraisers are using terms or words that uh, can come across as bias. And I think that I, I, going back to what my belief about appraisers is, I don't think most appraisers want to be uh, considered biased and they don't want to be accused of being biased. And, and some of the time it's a matter of education and training and, you know, words that were very, very acceptable years ago are not acceptable today and, and, and give that perception of bias. And again, when you're talking about an older population and somebody like me that's been doing this a long time, there are words I, I always would say stuff like a desirable neighborhood or a pride of ownership or undesirable neighborhood. Those are terms because that's how I was trained. So, right. but, but as you learn, it's like, well, wait a minute, is that a code word for a minority neighborhood? What does that mean? You said sound wrong. Yeah. Right. So, so learning how to be more descriptive and objective in the language is just one step in that. Um, I obviously, you know, things like adjustments and comparable selection and who, what comps comparables you're going to use and what kind of adjustments you're going to make and what are you adjusting for? Those are kind of things that are kind of more, um, uh, we need to get more uh, data around that so that it's not subjective. So I'm not making an adjustment for condition of a property at 10,000, you know, in, in one neighborhood and I'm making an adjustment for 2000 in another neighborhood or something like that, or, you know, the percentage wise, not just the number, but the percentage I'm, I'm inconsistent in that based on my perceptions. And so having data and analytics can say, well, here's what the data is saying about that neighborhood, looking at not just four or five or six properties, but 100 properties, 200 properties. Here's what that data is saying as far as that market, as far as is it an increasing market? Is it a declining market? Is it a stable market? Well, I don't like that market, so I think it's stable or declining. Well, the data may say something completely different. And the data is something that is objective and is something that appraisers, if they had it, most of them would probably use it, but because it is not as readily available and appraisers are just starting to learn how to use uh, analytics and data more, um, it's going to improve the profession and it's going to and it's going to decrease the amount of subjectivity. There is always going to be some subjectivity, right? It's, it's called an opinion of value. That means that two appraisers could look at the same property and not come out at the exact same value. That's always going to be part of the process, but that should be based on actual facts and data and not just based on, hey, am I feeling about this neighborhood or this adjustment? You know, I, I, I use a, I use the example of a swimming pool, right? I like swimming pools, but I wouldn't want one in my house because I know it's a lot of work and it's a liability if somebody falls and all that stuff. So I may not subconsciously give that the value that it should get because of my own bias against swimming pools, where somebody else may love swimming pools and give it more weight, you know? So I think you have to look at data and say, well, what is a typical uh, adjustment for this market based on, like I said, based on, you know, a thousand properties or 500 properties? What is a typical adjustment for 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 uh, certain features of a home, you know, bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage? And I think once we do that, it's going to it's going to help our profession a, a, a lot. And, and there, you know, even the the idea of a um, 
uh, bifurcated or desktop appraisal where you have a person who hopefully is a trainee uh, going out and looking at the property that's not writing up the 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 actual analysis where the person that wrote the analysis never went to the property that kind of separates that. So that, that in, in that case, if there is some bias, it's like, I didn't know anything about, I just saw a house and I just saw data. I did, I didn't look at even necessarily who lived in the house or who who's next door or who's around the corner. I'm just looking at the information. So I think there's, there's, there's that aspect, which I think can play, can help. And as I get older, uh, I would be okay doing this because even though I like going, getting out in the field and, you know, it's, 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 it's a physical, physical labor, you know, it's physical Absolutely. getting out, getting out of cars. And I, I had an appraiser friend tell me that they were called by a homeowner, the lender, lender, the homeowner called the lender and said, the appraiser is taking a long time getting out of the car. You know? <laughs> Can I get a younger appraiser? <laughs> oh, no, so, you know, and not, nothing against that appraiser or anything, but you know, people, you know, and that's their perception, right? This person's slow; they must not be know what they're doing. So, um, I think there are some benefits in some of these tools that I think can benefit someone who maybe is at the point in their career where they're not, you know, maybe physically able or not want to go out and drive around and look at comps and look at properties, but they still have skill. They still have, you know, knowledge. And, and they think that's a way for, for us senior folks to stay involved and, 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 and pour into and help the next group, next generation. Absolutely. And I'm so happy that you guys are doing this and you're making this more accessible um, to younger people and creating a more diverse um, profession. As you said, it, it can be hard. Sometimes you're walking into a really nice, you know, move in ready home. And sometimes you're appraising something that is not right. not even close to move in. And, and I've done both ends. You know, I've yep. done everything from South Central to Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Malibu. And, and yep. sometimes uh, you, know, you get dirty. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it is. And sometimes it's just really complicated, which which I think as I, you know, one of the things I benefit uh, that I, I see as a benefit is as you do this more, you want to do more complicated properties. You, you, you like a challenge. You know, that's where I am right now. I, 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 you know, the cookie cutter ones that I started off doing 30 years ago aren't that exciting anymore. And 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 some of that is going to technology and, and it probably should because it doesn't require a lot of analysis. It doesn't require a lot of technology. It doesn't require a lot of um, skill. You know, it's, it's just numbers. And so I think as we, uh, this profession moves on, I think there's going to be that kind of progression where a person goes into this profession, goes into appraising and, and, and learns how to do more complicated, you know, whether it's waterfront properties or high-end properties or, or even a teardown property or remodel and, you know, uh, those kinds of things. I, that That's really where I think we as, a, as appraisers can really benefit in the future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for coming on and telling the audience about this. I'm very excited about it. And I'd love to, you know, keep keep getting updated on, on what's going on in the results of this program. I think it's amazing. So thank you again for coming on and and have a good time. All right. Thank you. This is Gated Communities hosted by me, Katie Jensen, for the Mortgage News Network. All episodes are produced by T.G. Kudem Karor and Matthew Mullins. And our editor-in-chief is Christine Stewart. Make sure you subscribe to Gated Communities so you get future episodes. And be sure to rate and review it so others can find it. The song you heard at the beginning was Wildside by Saint Society. And the song you hear now is Will You Dance With Me by La La Nia. 
This podcast is copyrighted by American Business Media. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com.